Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Stories and scandal water. It's where you need to be. Stories and scandal water. Let's pour you a cup of tea. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. Are you excited about our new topic? I am. It's going to be so light and airy (laughs) and fun. Yes, I loved January. It was fascinating, but it's also kind of nice to move into February mm-hmm. with just this very, what's the word, satisfying, mm-hmm. uplifting, yes. easygoing topic of love is in the air. Yes. Yay. And what we decided we were going to do is to center this month around rom-coms. Yes. And just for fun, it's gonna, it is definitely going to be a little more lighthearted and mm-hmm. also a little more casual yes. because it's going to be a lot more talk, a uh-huh. little less uh, research. research, right? Because you did a lot of researching last Ooh, month. We're there giving was a you lot. a break. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. But although I do love it. Yeah. But at the same time, what we decided to do was Ashley got to choose two rom-coms that she wanted us to focus on. Mm-hmm. I chose two. And basically, there will be a little bit of information about the movies or their backstory. But most of this is just going to be us sharing our thoughts about the movies because we are doing a rewatch, taking yes. some notes, and we're just going to kind of talk through some of our impressions. Yeah. why we love them so much. Pretty well, that's it. Awesome. Well, this first one was one of your suggestions. It is. I thought it was a good one to lead with because if you're going to do a month centered around rom-coms, you have to go with the queen, I think, Mm -hmm. of the romantic comedy, which is Meg Ryan. Absolutely. However, I chose one that apparently is very hard to find. I have have been watching it since it, probably since it came out. It came out in 1995, so Mm -hmm. I was 15 years old. Rewatching it, I realized how much of my own acting choices have been in influenced really by this film and her character in particular yes isn't that interesting yes very much so but it is called french kiss Mm -hmm. And it is a lesser known Meg Ryan Mm rom-com. However, I think it is peak Meg Ryan rom-com. Okay, so two things we'll have to come back to. I Mm want to hear how you think it's influenced you and also Mm -hmm. why you would call this peak Meg Ryan. But but first, why don't we kind of do a little bit of the information about the backstory or the the movie. Actually, you know what? I want to start with Meg Ryan because I agreed with you. I felt like you could not go into this movie without having an appreciation Mm -hmm. of her and how much she brought to the genre of rom-coms, especially in the 90s. That was her big decade. I looked up a little bit about Meg. Mm -hmm. Here you go. Not a lot, not a deep dive, but a little bit. She started in a soap opera. Did you know that? I did. Oh, of course you did. (laughs) (laughs) It said that after scoring a few TV roles, she got her big break when she was cast in As the World Turns. Mm -hmm. She appeared as Betsy on 30 episodes between 1975 and 1984. And then another big move for her was when she got cast in Top Gun. Everybody remembers this. 1986, she was Goo. 
Cruz's wife. And Tom Cruise said about her in an interview a long time ago, I remember when we looked at Meg's test, she was just a light bulb. She She just burst in the room. That smile. Yeah. Glow. She was. Isn't that, I think that's such a good description of her. She really did just light things up. And isn't it funny that's the only movie I think that they've done together is Top Gun? Mm. Meg, these two huge stars of the 90s and they hadn't done Oh, that is a interesting. Film yeah. yeah. Well, she she hit a lot of the other leading she actors. Did. Yeah. Her big one that really kind of broke her into the rom com category, the rom com genre, was of course her 1989 role of Sally Albright mm-hmm. in When Harry Met Sally. Mm-hmm. That's what set her up as a romantic leading lady and. Good heavens. I mean, she got a lot of acclaim for that. She earned her first of three Golden Globe Award nominations for Best Actress, and that is the movie that people still talk about. Yes, it is. Just decades later. And then, of course, in the 90s, that's when she did... You, you're not the only one who calls her the queen of rom-coms. That's her title. I like, think her, if you look her it up, and um, Julia Roberts kind of went back and forth yes. on that, but I consider it Meg. Yeah, there were some debates. I actually mm-hmm. saw that where there have been some debates, but most people I discovered, maybe I didn't research enough, but it sounded as though the title was given to Meg and people were saying, should it have been given to Julia instead? But anyway, she made something like 15 movies during the 90s, most of them being successful rom-coms. There was an article on a website called Top 10 Films, and this is a quote that they gave speaking about Meg Ryan. She was once America's other sweetheart. She was loved and revered, and everyone wanted to see her in rom-coms, especially with Tom Hanks. Mm -hmm. She was the kind of actress people could relate to. People could empathize with her in films where she was looking for love or wronged by a lover. She could do no wrong. Mm -hmm. That very same website published a 2019 article where they listed, now this is all opinion, but it was their ranking Uh of Meg Ryan's top 10 films. Would you like to take a guess? Oh, of what the top 10 were? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Sleepless in Seattle is going to be on there. They had that at number four. Number four. Mm-hmm. Is When Harry Met Sally their number one? It absolutely is. I figured. Okay, when Harry... Is this one on there? Yes. Barely made it. It made number barely? 10. What? Okay. Yeah. Um, let's see. What else did she do? Hanging Up. She did IQ. She did Addicted to Love. Now, again, opinion. Yeah. It, those didn't make this particular are, what list. What else is on there? All right. What am I missing? Go. From 10 to 1, French Kiss, Inner Space, Top Gun. Oh. Proof of Life, When a Man Loves a Woman, oh, yeah. City of Angels, oh, Sleepless yeah. in Seattle, Courage Under Fire, You've Got Mail, When Harry Met Sally. They were Some not all rom-coms. Okay. No, oh, no, no. Okay. It was just top 10 films. Oh. It was not top 10 rom-coms. Well, as we've said, though, moving back into our focus, French Kiss did make the list. It came in at number 10, and part of the rationale they gave for choosing it you know, ranking it so highly was this. Although not a film that did well at the box office, it is one to see simply for the chemistry between Meg Ryan and Kevin Kline. Yes. Some have said this movie is a throwback to the screwball comedies of the 30s and 40s. And if that is true, the reason it works is the two leads. Ryan does cute like no one else. And this allows us, the audience, to empathize with her character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, I think it is a throwback. I believe I've read in here that it is absolutely a throwback. Kevin Klein said that the director was going into a new genre, screwball comedy, like in the 30s mm. and 40s. And I think their personalities are what make this work and their yeah. chemistry with each yes. other. Yes, yes, I would agree. So just a couple more details and then we can start talking about our impressions. But you've already said it was a 1995 film. PG-13 was its rating. It was filmed in Paris yes. and Cannes, Another France. reason I chose it. <laughs> yes. It was directed by 
directed by Lawrence Kasdan, written by Adam Brooks. And in case you've not seen it, here's a summary from IMDb. A woman flying to France to confront her straying fiancé gets into trouble when the charming crook seated next to her uses her for smuggling. A Los Angeles Time review said, In the movie, two odd ducks meet cute on a flight to Paris. She's out to rescue her fiancé, played by Timothy Hutton, from the clutches of a French siren, and they bicker their way across France and into each other's arms. Yes. Yes. I actually looked up some stuff about their director and the writer. Oh, go for it. So here's what I found. And I was I just fell down this rabbit hole. And a lot of this is not my own words. I may have copied it from IMDb. But Lawrence Kasdan, American filmmaker, producer, and screenwriter. Listen to what he directed. Body Heat, Grand Canyon, The Big Chill, mm-hmm. Silverado, The Accidental Tourist, Wyatt Earp, Mumford, as well as French Kiss. Yeah. Okay? Listen to what he wrote. And what I like so much about French Kiss is the writing. But uh-huh. although he didn't write this one, but listen to what he's been involved with. Okay. He wrote... Mumford, White Earp, Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. The Accidental Tourist, Silverado, The Big Chill, Body Heat, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Really? The Bodyguard, The Empire Strikes Back, The Empire Strikes really? Back, Return of the Jedi, and Solo, A Star Wars Story. Ooh. He's been married to his wife since 1971. They have two kids. He made French Kiss right after White Earp, a Western, mm-hmm. which starred Dennis Quaid, Meg's husband at the time, so his family could have a nice working holiday in France, which, <laughs> smart. He frequently collaborates with Kevin Kline. It was the fifth of their six cinema movie collaborations. So to date, they've done Silverado, Grand Canyon, French Kiss, The Big Chill, Darling Companion, and I Love You to Death. So frequent collaborators. Yes. This picture was the first one that Meg Ryan was involved in as a producer. Proof Rock Pictures. She's done five total. The Wedding Planner was the last one back in like 2001. And I wondered if the name came from the poem, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock by T.S. Eliot. That's just a wondering. Mm. Now, Adam Brooks, the writer, he had a brief role as Perfect Passenger, the guy taking off his shoes when Kate first gets on the plane to Paris. Mm-hmm. Adam has written films such as Practical Magic, Bridget Jones, The Edge of Reason, Wimbledon, Definitely Maybe, and Mozart in the Jungle. So these two, you had two heavy hitters coming I did. together. Yes, yes which is writers. part of why I think I loved it so much. Mm. It's just I love I love a lot of those films, like Indiana yeah, Jones, yeah. that kind of stuff. And then I loved the dialogue, and they knew how to do good dialogue. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned Meg and her involvement behind the scenes, because that is something that came up a lot. Just this past November, she was co-writer, director, mm-hmm. and star of What Happens Later mm-hmm. with David Duchovny. So Who she is the back. star of the other one that I chose? shows for later this month so, so there's a connection ooh, it's all yes. connecting it's all connecting nice all right well did you have anything else about the kind of background of the movie that no you wanted i didn't to share? then i just wrote out i was trying to put into words why i liked it so i wrote a little paragraph about why i liked it we can do that later if we just want to go through the some of our, just some of our reactions yep. Yep, yep we literally guys we wanted this to be more informal so we just took little notes yep. and we're just going to talk through some of our thoughts uh-huh. yep So would you want to start with something that struck you? Yeah, I just took little notes here. I wrote down that in the second frame, they show us her teeny tiny engagement ring. I saw the engagement ring too. And this, this film, this does... Adam Brooks, you did such an amazing job setting up everything we needed to know. I also just, just as a 
for what it's worth, I noticed that Kate is so often used for female leads, that name Kate, Mm -hmm. and it could be a tribute to Kate Hepburn, another screwball comedy person from the 30s. Uh, We set up that she doesn't like Paris, she doesn't like the French, she's a history teacher, and she doesn't like dairy products, and she can't handle dairy products. So that's (laughs) all, this is all like in the first eight minutes before we get to the conflict. Okay, but now the flight simulation was (laughs) amazing. Yes. I thought that was the cutest way to start. Because you'd never seen this film, right? No, I'd never. Honestly, I'd never heard of it. Okay. Like, I knew nothing about it. This was a multiple rewatch for me, and it was a first watch for you. It was 100%. And the the flight simulation (laughs) opening was Did you think she was really on the plane? I did. I was, you know, because you liked it. I'm, Uh you know, I'm saying like, I'm coming into it kind of cold going, okay, so is she neurotic? Is she, (laughs) like, is this voice really, okay, she, that's her voice in her own head? And Uh what is, like, what is happening. Yeah, I didn't tell you anything about no, it. No, I knew nothing about it. So when I discovered, I thought, okay, that was clever. That was cute. That was cute. And I saw an interview with her. I can't, or I found it on YouTube. It was really hard to find stuff about this on YouTube where she was talking to the interviewer about how she really doesn't like to fly. Mm-hmm. Like that's something oh, Meg okay. doesn't like to do is fly. She's like, I do it anyway, but I don't really like to do it. Yes. So the interviewer was talking about how cute that section was too. Yes. I will say, just jumping in here, I also had a note about how tightly they had to give the exposition. Like, like mm-hmm. within 10 to 15 minutes, she's already been dumped. You yes, know? But that's you, what I mean. You, so tight. Yes, you know everything, all the backstory. They've set it all up and then it moves on. But I, I always have to say this. Seeing her, like one of the first things was, oh, it's the cute, young, yes. effervescent yes. Meg Ryan. Yes. Like you just look at her and you just go, oh. I mean, I don't, you get an emotional reaction because it's because like a kitten. You do associate her in some ways. It's almost like the Hallmark movies where yeah. you know it's predictable uh-huh. and you know you, it's going to make you happy. So uh-huh. you're, so you automatically become happy from yes. the get go. Yes. That's kind of Meg Ryan. As soon as you Even see her. Even though she's super grumpy in that. She's, that... she's kind of over the top. She is amazing. She's, yeah. She's kind of anxiety ridden, but, but she's adorable. I, I looked at her and I went cute. Young Meg, is this mm-hmm. Top Gun time? No, it's actually no. quite a while after Top quite Gun. Yeah, but... She cut all her hair off from Sleepless in Seattle, and she yeah. said, I'm going with cute and pixie and little spiky hair. Mm-hmm. All right, well, what's another note you had? So we also find out that part of this is that she is trying to immigrate to Canada. Mm-hmm. She's an American whose fiancé lives in Canada. She wants to become a Canadian, and she just gives us this throwaway story, just throwaway story about how this one time she was at this friend's house, and they smoked pot, and she got in trouble for it, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, I remember that. It was supposed to be. I mean, she, yeah, she was the straight-laced, follow yes, all the rules yes. person. But here's here's what happened to her. The one the time. The one time she did yeah. something and she didn't even like it. And then we also learned that she cannot leave the country until her status comes through, which is important to me. Here's my Ashley in her armchair. I think that when she took Charlie to see that house and told him about mm-hmm. her nest egg, the $45,000 that she had saved, it freaked him out. And he said, it's like my whole life has passed passing before my eyes and we don't even have children yet Mm -hmm. that was his quote yeah he did not like the idea of commitment and and that made it too real for him right but I want to say he was a good boyfriend to her prior to that moment because he was trying to get her to come he wanted to be with her so it's not like he when what he does later it's not like he was already looking to stray he seemed to be very committed to her but it's when she came to him with that reality of here's the house here's what we're gonna do and he just 
freaked out Mm -hmm. because I think he kind of lives in his emotions. Yeah, which makes you wonder. Honestly, I will say Timothy Hutton's character had no development. You know, like he ends up just being almost throughout the course of the movie, just almost somebody you you catch glimpses of. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm making inferences. Who knows? But it made me wonder, is this a man who didn't want his partner to make decisions like to kind of decide where his life was going to go or was it just that he you know it just kind of scared him you know like oh gosh scared him I really feel like it scared him and I feel like he had a midlife crisis early Mm -hmm. he just had that oh I can't do this and it just was his realization moment last thing I have before she gets dumped is we learn that she doesn't have a great relationship with her parents because again throw away line where she says or it could be like me where you get an unsigned card Christmas Mm -hmm. card birthday card I forget what she says Mm -hmm. that's all within eight minutes yeah. We have the whole setup, and a lot of that information is important later, but they do it so well, and I admire the the screenwriter, I admire the director who gave us all of this stuff where they were feeding us the information, but it wasn't exposition dumping. It was just, oh, by the way, they made it sound so natural. Mm-hmm. I just, just loved it. And it had to come fast because you want the primary part of the movie to be devoted to the action adventure that's going to happen uh-huh. with her. Her true love. Right. Her new, her new scene part. Yeah, I wrote eight minutes in, we have the whole setup and the inciting incident with pre-planted story cues. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. I have old tech alert, phones on the walls. There's no cell phones. They just called. Yeah, yeah. I liked her line, rude and interesting are not the same thing. (laughs) So you give some of your insights now. Well, once they get on the plane, Mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. I mean, the chemistry starts immediately, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, as soon as you have Kevin Klein coming in there with his kind of, he's the madcap, uh, you know, um, (laughs) he's a little over the top. He's, you know, the... The charming rogue. Yes, yes. Thank you. Good way to put it. She is definitely staying in her neurotic lane. And then one of the things I noticed, it made me think of the Gilmore Girls I felt like part of their chemistry development was the fast dialogue yeah like I felt like that was purposeful the way they just automatically were just going back and forth so much not the way you would normally talk to a stranger Mm -hmm. and and that's the thing too the way they interacted is not the way you would talk to a stranger even the way he distracted her which was so cute I thought so he did it on purpose I feel like he did on purpose oh 100% he distracted her so that she wouldn't be afraid as they were taking off by basically putting her in the middle of an argument where she is just ranting yes yes and then and then once they were in the air he's like okay i gotta go (laughs) yes yes so kevin klein adorable too it was good casting Mm -hmm. i think the two of them together made sense Mm -hmm. to me in the interview that i watched this morning she said that the kevin klein being on set elevated everybody else wanting to do physical comedy because Mm. he was so good at physical comedy and even in the interview she just had so much joy talking about the film and working Mm -hmm. with him and talking about the pratfalls that she did and how he would dip her head up and down and how they would try (laughs) to find different ways they were all trying to be as good as him at all of this comedic stuff oh that's nice Mm -hmm. on a different note something that I loved was the way that they kept coming back to I think titles are important French Kiss immediately I loved it because it's like of course this is happening in France yeah and you've got the idea of a French Kiss and then you know the idea that this is a rom-com but even then breaking it up they kept coming in from the very beginning they had that conversation where I think it's Meg who makes the comment in her character Kate that a kiss is where the romance is that's exactly what I have written down like the way she uh, kisses where the romance is I liked the way 
way she described the kiss. Yes. Yeah. And that kiss then, that idea of the kiss comes back throughout the whole movie mm-hmm. and it's significant. And very I was much. like, nice. I like those touches where things are very intentional. I also liked her line, everybody loves their mothers. Even people who hate their mothers love their mothers. <laughs> funny so this is just a little side note but i just recently for the first time in my life had a chance to go to paris yeah and so i absolutely loved i mean i i would have loved it anyway the cinematography was amazing Mm -hmm. like it was just beautiful in this movie they did so many beautiful location shots but also seeing paris and it was cute at first how she kept missing like she kept like she kept missing the eiffel tower or some of the the monuments the things that were notable and then she finally does see it but but i kept going oh my gosh oh my gosh i've been there yes or i've seen that and then i could not help it there's the one scene where they're driving and it's absolutely crazy like the 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 is that what it's like there yes no i am telling you it's one of the craziest experiences as a passenger in a car that I've ever had. No, Mm -mm. no. We took an Uber and I was, Kirk and I were just like trying not to react so that the person (laughs) driving would not see our faces and like be offended because I don't know how we did not get into some kind of a fender bender i don't i don't understand they would literally i mean like the drivers would literally it would be like oh we're coming into this roundabout i don't care that there's a crowd i'm going and they would just drive into it and people would it was constant honking and and people forcing each other nudging forward to make people give way and every people yelling out the windows oh my gosh craziness Okay, so that's true to life. All right, now now I have a new fear unlocked. Great. My mom would kill me if I don't mention this. Meg Ryan's purse has a fan club. That purse, what? it does. People want that purse. There's places where they've looked for, where can you buy that purse? My mom has a long standing. if I ever find that backpack looking really? purse, she wants that for it like- It is cute. It's super cute and it's important to the plot. Well, yes, yeah, it is. It has its own little fan club. Yes. I have about Luke. He saved the life of the cop, which did you recognize him from Mission Impossible? I did, Great. I did. And help me if I'm saying his name. Is is it Jean René? I think so. Okay. Yeah, Jean René. And I liked his quote that he says, he's no criminal. That's what I keep telling him. <laughs> Yeah, it was fun to see people that you recognize because, you know, you do that as an audience member when you see that this what what appears to be a very small part is being filled by a notable actor. Yeah. You're like, this is going to end this up being more up- significant <laughs> than we think. I did like the concierge where he took her money. She's like, hey, I just gave you a tip. We oui, madame. And I took it. <laughs> it was funny. He just took good. her money. And I liked I just I'm going to keep saying lines that I liked where she says we had plans or she's explaining to Luke the Mm -hmm. relationship and he says he was obviously very attached to them. (laughs) <laughs> Clearly, he agreed with you of these plans. The clothes are so cool, too. Mm-hmm. These yes. clothes are very, yes. very cool. Yes, absolutely. I think that was kind of an ongoing thing. You had your your very clearly defined characters, right? Uh-huh. In fact, so that's one of the things I noticed, just kind of stepping back for a second and like zooming out, is it felt like they had these clearly defined characters. They named it with the woman that her fiancé ends up getting attracted to. They Juliet. just call her the goddess yes. or the siren. That was... That was it. Juliet was just, her job was to fulfill the role of this goddess who lures Meg Ryan Kate's fiance Mm -hmm. away, right? Although she says, I cannot steal something that didn't want to be stolen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then with Luke, he was the charming, you said the charming rogue, that nailed it. But he was there to not only be the bad boy, 
but he was the balance to her neurotic. Yes, Mm -hmm. she he was the balance to her. He was also in some ways the person who held a mirror up and would let her see some things about herself or her own relationship with her fiance that she could not see. Mm -hmm. She was so caught up in her image of the perfect life that she was heading into Mm -hmm. with her perfect man. She missed things. And one time, at one point, he says, how can I help you win back this ridiculous man if you keep acting like a clown (laughs) after she falls over the the cart? But he even says he's ridiculous, you know? And then when they're in the car, she's talking about how she would go and get down on her knees and beg. And he's like, oh, okay, here's the goddess in her her negligee and you on your knees begging, poor Charlie, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what a choice. Right. So he's just giving her the truth of the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to pause for a second because you just, I'm putting things together as we're talking this out. The scene, to me, not being as much of a a physical comedy type person, like in some cases I was like, oh my goodness, you know, the falling over carts, the cake, you know, some of those things. Screwball things. Yes. I was kind of like, okay, this is, this is a little over the top, Mm -hmm. you know, she's literally crawling Mm -hmm. at one point. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, but now, but I see it now. I see if we're purposely trying trying to do screwball comedy yes if the other actors are being inspired by kevin klein to up the physical yes. comedy game yes. that kind of that kind of brings those pieces together it i does. can see where oh, okay and it also is literally she's on her knees right trying to get this life back you know she's she is she's crawling to this life but actually in this case she was crawling away from this life right it's like she's kind of put aside all self-respect yeah because all she can see is it's trying Charlie. to win him back yep Mm-hmm. So I have here, as far as plotting goes, with props to Adam, the writer, talk about a low point when she has no visa, no country, mm. no family, no passport, no Charlie. And then she sees the ring that Juliet's wearing. <laughs> <laughs> that ring could choke a horse, I'm telling you. <laughs> I also talk about the shots. It's a great shot when he gets on the train, the mm-hmm. chase through. The, I love the music, the chase through, and he turns around at just that right moment and he says goodbye to the cop. I mean, none of this is going to make sense if you've never seen this film. So you probably ought to watch it and then come back and listen to this. But anyway, it's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, and also she had her... Meg is so good at not being afraid to do embarrassing stuff like the Mm -hmm. lactose intolerance scene. Anybody who has an aversion to dairy, such as myself, can identify with when she was eating all those cheeses. And we heard early on, I can't do cheese. They even say, we'll get pizza. And she says, oh, I'll pick off the cheese. Right. She has that great night, which I had a note about that too. That kiss shooketh him Uh on the train. I think that was his turning point. Okay. Literally wrote that. I said, after the kiss... They have switched attitudes. Yes. She's now more cheerful and positive. Yes. He's now more anxious yes. and surly. Yes. Like they put it in our faces. Mm-hmm. This is a turning point. Things have changed. Yeah. And you see it on his face. When he sits back down, he's like, what? But anyway, so the next morning, she's more cheerful. She's Mm -hmm. more chipper. She's eating the cheese. She's like, this is so good. Then she has the attack that Mm -hmm. everybody who (laughs) can't do dairy has the attack. And going to his home, I think, is her turning point. That definitely was a wake-up call for her. She she saw things that she had not seen before. Yes, 100%. And I'm going to speak to what you just said, re-emphasizing the point we've already made. Her willingness to to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know, as an actor portraying a very vulnerable character, she's willing to go there. She is willing to go there. And that's what you have to do in acting. I love how she's walking through. This is one of the things that influenced me, like when she's like, beautiful, gorgeous, wish you were here. Just the way that she says everything so beautiful. And then she's making fun of him later where she's got a pretend cigarette and she's like, you people. (laughs) He looks genuinely amused. Like it doesn't look like the character. It looks like Kevin Kline is genuinely Genuinely amused by Meg Ryan. What Meg Ryan is doing. And then she says, poor you, you had to grow up here. You know, and it, it, just as a side note, it wasn't one of those things I, I didn't look it up, but like I couldn't help but noticing how cute their choices were with the songs they would play yeah, in the background, yes. how they would have a lot of French themed songs sometimes that would be French lyrics but it complemented what was happening so well whether it was the plot development or whether mm-hmm. it was the landscaping you know mm-hmm. the the cinematography around mm-hmm. them mm-hmm. yeah it was very well done One, going back to the wine tasting scene where they're in his childhood bedroom I think that is a turning point I think that's her turning point because I said it is so sweet she sees his boyhood dreams and it's also the first time that they have a conversation where they're not really fighting he says describe this wine and she says it's a bold wine blah 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 and then she says I I don't know I'm just talking about myself he's like no no you're right it is Mm -hmm. wine is like a person so they start having actual conversations not just fighting conversations or anything like that and he doesn't make fun of her he says no you're right here's here's how you can tell and they're actually connecting because what she comes out with actually shows she has even though she doesn't recognize it Mm -hmm. she does have a little bit of a foundation in that and they're both connecting over love of land yeah love of home, love of family, love of things that you create yourself or you invest in. They're starting to really see that in each other. And she uses his love of the vineyard to help him understand how she thinks that she feels about Charlie because she says, you would do anything for this, right? Mm -hmm. Would you get down on your knees and beg? And he says, yes. She's Mm -hmm. like, okay, how are we any different? Mm -hmm. So then he's like, okay, I understand where you're coming from now or where you think you're coming from. Right. The next thing I have is the necklace reveal. So you want to talk about that. I don't have anything insightful to say. I just was so pleased that it took me by surprise because you know how it is and you always try to figure things out in advance. And when she had the necklace, Uh it was the most satisfying thing. (laughs) Absolutely loved it because she also, instead of being this, I don't know, not a victim, but this person who's the the one with no control and no Uh power working Uh so hard to win somebody back, all of a sudden it's like, oh, she's got some agency. Yes, she's got some control. And it was interesting because wasn't it after that, that all of a sudden now he's coaching her to help her versus their adversarial. It has changed. Yeah. I like the use of, I want you. I did too. I want you to do this, this, and this. And I just made this note. How are men able to sleep with no blanket? (laughs) I just want to know that. They they share a hotel room in one of the scenes and he comes up and he takes a pillow off. They're not going to, mm-hmm. of course, they're not doing that. He sleeps on the couch and he's just in his underwear and no blanket. I was like, how are you not cold? <laughs> That's just me wondering. When he says to her, who is the goddess now? That face that she just looks at him. It's mm. the sweetest, just the sweetest expression of, you know, she doesn't look like 
a Parisian woman and she doesn't act like a Parisian woman. She says, use the corresponding face for the corresponding emotion. She's not one of these people to play games. Right. And she's got her little short blonde hair, little Mm -hmm. spiky hair, and she's not built like them. And he calls her a goddess. Mm -hmm. It's so, so sweet. Yeah. That was something that I think the filmmakers did well and the actors too, but the building of the chemistry, like Mm -hmm. you felt their attraction immediately. And you know how the bickering that with the underlying, you know, chemistry and tension, that was there but you could literally watch the feelings deepen yes through this yes this part of the film yes you could see it happening yes and that was very cool it was yeah okay so when she is talking to charlie when it looks like things are going well and she and charlie are going to get back together she stops and i like that it's shot in silhouette in the darkness Mm. he says it's like somebody turned a light on inside you why wasn't it me i literally have that same quote written Mm-hmm. on my paper then later she says why wasn't it you that mm-hmm. turned on this great big kate light that you love so much yeah. and then she says i know i now know what i don't want and he points to himself uh, and she's like sorry charlie mm-hmm. so that's her realizing that it wasn't him that turned on mm-hmm. the great kate light that he loves side note where does that famous phrase come from it doesn't come from this movie right where What's you, that? you hear people say all the time sorry charlie no that's the commercial on tv yeah okay. thanks yeah that's probably right. why she said it that way oh it's a throw be. to that yeah I also like that she says, I want to plant some roots and see them grow. She literally says plant Mm -hmm. roots, which is a vineyard. Right. But she doesn't realize she's talking about it. Right. And I have another old tech, the small TV, then in hotel hotel room. It's like, <laughs> bloop, bloop. I didn't even notice that one. And I have that she looks so happy that she helped him. Mm-hmm. And the end is so sweet. You see them fall in love. Well, I, again, I kind of pride myself on seeing things coming, especially when, you know, our perception yeah. is, our, our belief is that rom-coms tend to be so predictable. Mm-hmm. So I loved that the sweet surprise ending it did it got me a little bit i didn't i didn't fully predict it i kind of had a sense but Mm -hmm. i there were details of it that took me by surprise loved it Mm -hmm. and then when it literally ended with that i want you again that call back to the he just said that's it i I want you (laughs) so good yes yeah i love that ending oh well let's go to break and then we'll come back and we'll kind of start wrapping things up sounds good As we venture through 2024 together, we would love to know what subjects you'd like us to cover. Sprinkled throughout the year, we'll be doing a variety of topics that are inspired by listener suggestions. Previous topics have included Selena, Paul McCartney, the Beverly Hills Supper Club Fire, Tori Murden McClure, and famous photographs. You can send us your suggestions by emailing scandalwaterpodcast at gmail.com. Or if you're feeling especially chatty, send us a voice message with who or what you'd love us to brew up an episode about. Cheers. All right, we're back. So I wrote out, and I'd like to read it to you because I don't think that I could, I don't think I could paraphrase this well enough. I I just asked myself, why do I like this? Mm -hmm. Why do I like French Kiss? Yes. I love the wordplay, the natural sounding dialogue, and the throwback to the old-fashioned screwball comedy. I love that we see the two of them fall in love. They're already naturally drawn to each other because they talk all the time. I think that Luke realized it first because the kiss on the train was his pivot point. From then on, he stopped doing things for her purely for himself and began transitioning to doing them to benefit her no matter how he felt about it. I think her turning point was the scene in his childhood bedroom and then she began to do things for him him that would benefit him without benefiting her. The ultimate being that she does this 
grand gesture for him and does not turn him in. And he lies to her about his evening with Juliet because he thinks she truly was better off with Charlie. They both did these grand gestures not for the attention, but because they thought the other person would benefit from the gesture. They truly seemed to grow to love each other and appreciate each other for who they were. Luke naturally became more settled down and she naturally became more adventurous. They brought out the best parts of each other and how much they loved to talk. You get the sense that they will not only be romantic with each other in the future, but also friends, able to argue and talk and really complete each other's lives. Charlie and Juliet, in my opinion, were all emotion. They were passion and flash and excitement. Theirs was not a mature love. Clearly it couldn't be because they'd only just met. But even so, it didn't look like they did much talking to each other, so I very much doubt they will stay together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have much hope for their, <laughs> no, <laughs> for their no, relationship no, 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 to last. To piggyback on a couple of your observations I I like how you talked about you you know it's love when you're putting the other person above yourself and that's what they both started to do Mm -hmm. but that made me think it made me take to think of a different level of that which is they both became better people through that because he was such a selfish person like he was likable in fact even the policeman likes him right he's likable very likable but he's about himself Mm -hmm. he's about what he wants, what he needs, he's going to get, you know, he's going to steal, he's going to, he's going to do what he wants to get Mm -hmm. what he, what he's after. Whereas she is very obsessed with her, you know, vision of the perfect life and the perfect future. Mm -hmm. And she grows by becoming so much more self-aware, more, she understands her priorities better. She understands who she is. She understands who she wants, who she doesn't want, what she, like what, what really is going to be best for her. And so that was one of the things that hit me. And then the other was when you talked about that idea of them being friends at the end, I loved just the image of the two of them. They looked in some ways like they could have been a couple who'd been together for 20 years, even though they were still young, you know, but like you just, you just got this sense of they belong there. Mm -hmm. They belong together. They're meant to be. Mm -hmm. They just felt, they just seemed so right in Mm -hmm. that, in that scene there at the end when they're kind of just walking across, you know, on their own land. Yes. And if you, on the surface of it, if you put the two of them together, they don't look like they would work as a couple, Mm -hmm. which I think also also worked if you put her and Charlie look like a, a couple mm-hmm. they look like a nice vanilla regular couple and then him and Juliet look like that dashing romantic French couple but putting the two of them together you go oh that doesn't really work on the surface but seeing them together and seeing their personalities and seeing their chemistry of course it works of right. course they're perfect for each other I also talking about the um the clothing I thought about it and I thought why did she have the only time that she exposes her belly in the full picture is when she's getting the phone call from Charlie where mm-hmm. he breaks up with her and it's like exposing her underbelly I mean maybe it wasn't that but her you, midriff her midriff you you wonder if that's the emotional exposing because you're you try to protect your stomach and all of usually I wondered if that's why they did that it's the only time because usually she's very covered up mm-hmm. in the rest of the film she slowly takes off layers and maybe it's peeling back her layers I don't know how much they thought about it it could be just coincidence but it did seem like it was very symbolic where mm. at the end she's wearing that beautiful blue dress it's a pretty color where she's in those drab colors and it's like the coat and the vest and the jacket and all of this stuff mm-hmm. or the the white t-shirt all of that interesting yeah i like it you were really zooming in there I tell, well it comes from seeing it multiple times and then getting to think about this stuff because right. i know what's gonna happen right yeah 
Armchair Psychologist. Well, for that, we, we've been armchairing this whole time. Yeah. But I did have, I think, an intriguing question to throw at you. Let me have it. We've been sitting here talking about the queen of rom-coms. And this is something that I think we've said before. We don't really have no, we don't. a huge rom-com scene like we used to. No. Why do we think that is? I think it just fell out of favor. I think what happened, coming back to why do I think this is peak Meg Ryan? Because I think it was done naturally. Nothing was forced. She had actual natural chemistry with Kevin Klein. She looks radiant. She looks so truly happy doing mm-hmm. it. It seemed like everything was just real and natural. Nothing seemed forced. And I think when something becomes successful, people try to duplicate it. And if you copy something enough, it becomes a shadow of its former self. Mm-hmm. So they just keep trying to do the rom-coms and they keep repeating the formula and it's more formulaic they don't have the chemistry it's more to make some money and i think it just ran out of steam you just you know that's interesting because i'd kind of forgotten this until you said that and all of a sudden it popped back into my head one of the articles i read said something to the effect of how rom-coms can get so predictable mm-hmm. and kind of and old now we and have cliche Hallmark. but they they shouted out nora efron and mm-hmm. they said that's one of the things that really helped during this time was when you had somebody who could write a really sharp witty smart sparkling rom- dialogue yes rom-com that that stood out in some way that it was different from the rest that could set mm-hmm. itself apart and that's maybe something that that's not not a big focus for Hollywood right. nowadays the right. way it used to be. Well, just think about the movie musical. Musicals used to be huge and then they fell out of favor. And remember when Chicago came out back in like mm-hmm. 2002, they were like, musicals are back! And they'd been gone since Greece, yeah. which was 79. So pff, they just fell out of favor. There's mm-hmm. a there's a film that's out recent, that's come out recently and one of their, they're advertising it into the ground. It's got Glenn Powell and Sidney Sweeney, Anyone But You. I have not seen it, mm. probably won't see it. It looks a little too raunchy for me, but but they're saying rom-coms are back and that's how they're promoting it hmm. is this is back now is it i don't know but the premise is the two people who don't like each other are put together in a situation and i'm sure they're gonna probably fall in love at the end so hmm. it's your basic i haven't even heard of this one like, or uh, at maybe least it's I just been it. through algorithms maybe because i've been doing rom-com right. research it's come up on my mm-hmm. algorithms a lot but anyway i don't know if it's successful or not i don't know if they're back or not i think if they do come back it's gonna have to be because of the sincerity of the actors the sparkling dialogue of the script and i mean shooting it in france not a bad gig. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's gorgeous to look right. at. Right. But yeah. it just seemed natural, uh-huh. you know? Well, last question. I want to make sure we circle back to this. So how do you think Meg Ryan has influenced you oh, as an actor? Um, the way she uses her hands a lot. She's very physical in her expressions, the way that she... Back when I was 15 years old, I was watching films mm-hmm. and I was using the actors as my movie teacher. My teachers were the people in the movies. So I just have seen where I've copied some of the way that she says things like the oh beautiful gorgeous wish you were here just the way she said that and some of her facial expressions and you know the way she did the little hand in the (laughs) when she raises her hand in her neuroticism I mean I can tap into that I can identify with that for sure but yeah I just love I just I love her performance in this I love everything about it awesome This is Ashley from the Editor's Booth, and we are at the end of our recorded episode. Past versions of Candy and Me are just about to do our cheers, but I have an incredible surprise for you guys. I reached out to the screenwriter of Fringe Kiss, Adam Brooks, and he graciously sent me a few of his remembrances on the inspiration behind the film. Now, this episode was already recorded and wrapped and ready for upload, but I had to include Adam's thoughts, so... 
please enjoy hearing from the man who, in my humble opinion, penned one of the sharpest screenplays since the 1930s. And thank you and a big cheers to Mr. Adam Brooks from Candy and Me. Enjoy! Writing French Kiss and being so intimately involved in its making was really one of the most special and fulfilling experiences in my filmmaking life. It started when Liza Chasen took me out for lunch. She ran the Los Angeles office of Working Title Films, the English company that produced the movie. They'd been talking to Meg Ryan about developing a story that would take place in Europe with a European co-star, and they wanted to know if I'd be interested in coming up with a story. And amazingly, I had the basic idea for the movie right at lunch. Meg Ryan goes to the most romantic city in the world and loses everything. Her fiancé to a beautiful French woman, her passport, her Canadian visa, all her money, essentially her entire idea of herself. And in her determination to win back her fiancé, she's forced to team up with a Frenchman who is seemingly in every way her opposite. She dreams of a stable, comfortable, bourgeois Canadian life. He's a man of adventure and big dreams, impulsive, full of appetites, and it turns out also a lying, scheming thief. It's kind of a classic combination that you can find in films I love, like It Happened One Night or His Girl Friday, The Lady Eve, Something Wild. At the heart of the movie is this ongoing conversation, debate between Meg's character, Kate, and Kevin Klein's character, Luke. And in the course of their French road trip, they manage to infuriate, surprise, and open each other up to different and unexpected possibilities. I went to Paris and I wrote the script in five weeks, something I had never done before and haven't done since. And it was a strong enough first draft that the producer sent it to Larry Kasdan, who had made, among other movies, Body Heat, The Big Chill, and The Accidental Tourist. And he wanted to do it. And he wanted me to come to France and be with him through the production and shooting. Amazing. And it all happened really fast. I had had lunch with Liza in October, and in May we were in pre-production. By the end of the summer we were shooting. That never happened before either. Never happened since. When I wrote the script, I was thinking of Gerard Depardieu to play Luke. We met with him, but it turned out he wasn't available when we would shoot. But also we realized that his English wasn't fluid enough for him to do the dialogue at the fast pace we wanted. Which is when Larry had the idea of casting Kevin Klein, whom he had worked with many times before. Cheers. Cheers. If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandal Water theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.